0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Kopi podcast. Today we're going to be talking about season one, episode five, which is titled Hamburger Dinner Theater. So in this episode, an interruption alters the direction of the musical murder mystery dinner that Linda and the kids are staging at the restaurant. In the opening credits, we see that the store next door is titled Synthesizers, Synthesizers, Synthesizers. Ugh, reminds me of those tone twisters. <laughs> The episode opens with Linda priming at the vanity in her and Bob's bedroom. She's getting ready to go to a strip club called Pickles with some friends. It's not a very good lie. I'm not sure that Linda has ever been to a strip club, which which we and Bob can tell from Linda saying that she's going to need a lot of quarters to plop in the dancer's G-strings. Bob keeps challenging her on this, and he knows she's lying. He asks why the strip club is called Pickles, and Linda says it's because they serve really good pickles there. Side note, I love that nine seasons later they actually end up at Pickles and the Pickles are really good. I love that they fulfilled the joke after nine years. It really shows the commitment that the creators have to world building. Bob says she's going to dinner theater and Linda finally admits that she is. Linda fibbed because Bob doesn't approve of dinner theater and he admits that he'd rather she go to an actual strip club. Jean has been b- jumping on the bed and asks why Bob hates dinner theater. First of all, it's neither dinner nor theater. It's like the imitation cheese of theater. And Jean says that sounds fun because imitation cheese is delicious. But Bob's real problem with dinner theater is that it makes Linda sing everything. Here we see a montage of Linda singing about a wrong number phone call, eggs for dinner, and not being in the mood for sex. Wrong number! Yeah. So what's for breakfast? Eggs. 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 Bum, bum. Eggs. 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 Oh my god. Bum, bum. So Lynn, it's uh alright. Not tonight No Okay. Not tonight No I get it. I love how theatrical she gets in this bit. There are dance moves and everything. So my question is, if Linda's singing and like general theatricality is Bob's problem with dinner theater, wouldn't he also have a problem with Linda going to see any other production whether dinner was involved or not? Also, does she sing if the show isn't a musical? I think Bob would still mind Linda singing all week after a production that doesn't involve theater, but he wouldn't be as offended if the concepts of dinner and theater weren't combined. Anyway, so Bob hates dinner theater because it makes Linda sing everything. He asks her if she's going to do that again, and her now turns into a big solo with a vamping sound as she leaps on the bed. It makes Bob chuckle. He loves Linda, even when she gets on his nerves. So next, we flash to the off-ramp Broadway theater, which is presenting the Pirates of Panache, a reference to the Pirates of Penzance, an operetta by Gilbert and Sullivan. Linda is there with four ladies. There's Redhead, who I'm kind of hoping is Ginger, but we've never officially seen Ginger except for From the Back in the season six episode, Sliding Bobs. Linda starts singing along with the performers, and she's having the time of her life. I love how Linda has the power to unironically enjoy just about everything she has this wonderful enthusiasm for so many things it's a really underrated personality trait the next day we see the family in the restaurant the burger of the day is the totally radish burger which comes with radish I learned the other week while watching the show Worth It that a restaurant called Bob's Big Boy served the first double cheeseburger in 1937. My husband now thinks that's where the Bob's Burgers name came from. I think Bob is just a super common name, but it's a fun burger fact. So Mort comes into the restaurant and asks Linda to tell him everything about her visit to dinner theater the other night. Linda sighs and says that if she could do her life over again, she'd do dinner theater. Bob scoffs at her and says she has a great life. She works in a restaurant. She gets to help feed the world. They even had someone in from Canada last week and they got to learn all about that country, but Louise hates that country. She probably hated the person more than the country, but it's still funny. Mort mentions that they have the dinner part, so Linda's already halfway to doing her own dinner theater! Linda freaks out. Bob hates the idea of hamburger dinner theater. Episode title alert! But Linda points out that they work hard every day to make his dream come true, and they should do her dream too. It's a really good point. Bob and Linda negotiate a three-show engagement. He started in an hour, and she started at three weeks. Such optimism. They're trying to decide what kind of show to do, and they quickly settle on a mass murder, mystery, musical, love story set in a morgue. Tina wanted it to be set in a sexy ketchup factory, but no one went for that. And it's like, come on Tina, the show is with your family. That'll be weird no matter how it's produced. They decide on the morgue because Mort has props and Linda decides to call it Dreamatorium. Okay, small appreciation moment for all the musical effects. They don't tend to use musical effects as often in the later episodes, but they really add a lot to this episode. So we skip forward to the day of the show. They've tacked up a paper banner advertising Dreamatorium over the normal sign outside, and the burger of the day is murder. The stage for the show is between the cash register and the window. It's currently a draped red curtain, a file cabinet with legs poking out of it, and a marble pillar. They did a lot with the space they had, and Linda is delighted that they've all been bitten with the dinner theater bug. Gene is on sound effects, and he starts experimenting with some accompaniment for an especially grumpy Bob as he clears the tables. Let's listen to it here. Don't don't score me. <laughs> anyway, Mort's on visual effects using blood that may or may not be fake. It's not fake in my opinion, and I really do think he was run out of Bog Harbor for some unethical behavior, even if it wasn't selling bodies to the local restaurants. Anyway, Mort also plays the body delivery guy, who is also the first victim. Jean is the flower delivery guy, victim number two. Tina is a tree, victim three, and Louise plays the butler and the red herring. Gene asks why Tina is playing a tree, and we get a great montage of Tina's stage fright throughout the years. This includes Tina trying to call 911 during a fire in the restaurant, which I think might even be the fire in the intro to each episode. Linda would even like Bob to become involved to play the tree surgeon, her fourth victim, but he doesn't want to, and he's already doing the dinner part by himself. That is a lot of work. Linda makes him improv a scene with her about the two of them meeting at a bus stop and it being cold out. And, oh my gosh, it's so boring. To be fair, improv is really hard. There's an episode of The Office that shows Michael and his improv club, and every scene they try is super boring until Michael pretends he has a gun. It's still awful, but it's not boring. Anyway, Bob hates doing improv, and we cut to the night of the show. They have little flashlights on spinning trays outside to simulate spotlights. I love the attention to detail, but I have no idea how they're continuously spinning. Maybe Teddy rigged up a little motor for each of them. Louise is doing tongue twisters in the kitchen to warm up. Tina asks if Louise is talking to her, because she's also in the kitchen, and Louise yells that she's warming up her instrument! (laughs) Tina starts to cry, and Louise starts to comfort her and says let's hug for luck, and then blows up again saying that you don't hug for luck in the theater! Tina starts panicking, and Louise kind of takes on the role of of, like, kind of an abusive spouse. She yells again and apologizes again, and you can tell that this might go on for a while. I know that Louise probably isn't, like, clinically a sociopath, but this kind of abusive messing with Tina is really mean. I'm glad that her character kind of, like, smooths out, and we get to see both Louise's strong side and her soft side in later seasons. One of my favorite lines is in uh, season four, Christmas in the Car, when Bob wants to help tackle Santa and Louise says, Santa would drop you and that would kill me. Season one, Louise could not say that, and I love the transition that each character makes. Out in the dining area, Jean is playing soft yet jaunty music, and we can see that the restaurant is pretty full. Linda's friend, who might be Ginger, comes in with another woman, but Linda just asks them to enter and be tamed. There's no special greeting or anything. Teddy doesn't understand what's happening, and Bob explains that people people are paying more to see the show and eat a burger. Bob explains that it's kind of on the honor system and that if you find yourself watching, you should probably buy a ticket. And Teddy, like, doesn't get it and he keeps talking as the show starts. Ugh, he's so annoying in the first seasons. Linda begins the show by announcing that everything dies But, love, there will be a murder, and it's up to the audience who guess who it is, but it's not her. Mort walks in as the body delivery guy, his murder happens while the lights are out, and the lights come back on to display the grisly scene of Mort slumped dead in the window with what looks like a full set of organs revealed, while his hand squeezes a little pump so that blood spurts out. It gets everywhere. The restaurant is covered in blood, and everyone is traumatized. And, like, I'm amazed that he did that in the short time he had while the lights were off. Was he just wearing organs under his shirt for, like, a full hour? Due to Mort's special effects, the first performance is cut short. The cops come, and they don't give the belchers any citations or anything since the organs were fake, except they weren't, and no harm was done, except for the people being treated for shock and all the people that demanded their money back. But Linda is determined that the show will go on the following night, with a little less blood. As they're cleaning up the restaurant the following day, Tina announces that she'd like to have a line. Linda is so proud of her. Tina decides that she wants to say, no, don't which is exactly what a tree would say. Bob thinks they should stop while they're ahead, especially since no charges were filed, but Linda wants to keep trying. She points out that Bob didn't stop after his first burger. He added garlic powder. They keep talking about it while Jean slides around in the blood on the floor and spouts encouraging aphorisms. Bob finally gives in and Jean slips in all the blood. He tastes it and yells that it tastes nothing like real blood. What if it is though, and Gina's is just wrong. They should be cleaning better. They need like a biohazard team or something, not just wet rags. I guess we never really find out if it's real blood or not, but Mort seems to imply that it is. Okay, let's talk costumes for the show. Mort and Jean are both wearing their normal clothes. Louise is wearing a tiny butler outfit, complete with bow tie and tiny gloves. Tina is wearing what looks like a giant roll of cardboard, with green leaves taped to straws and then taped to her costume. Linda is wearing a green pantsuit, but the blazer is not the one that Tina wears in the Mad Pooper episode. That one is a different shade of green, more of a Kelly green instead of a forest green, and Linda bought that one specifically because she had jury duty on St. Patrick's Day. But why would she buy a second green blazer? It boggles the mind. Linda is a strange and interesting person. Anyway, the sign outside the restaurant for the second show announces that there's now 20% less gore. That's not enough in my opinion. The burger of the day is the onion burger which has been grilled to death. Mort is already playing dead on the floor, and Jean is delivering flowers to Gladys, the lonely morgue owner, played by Linda. Jean shoves a knife in his armpit to simulate his death, and Bob interrupts his death scene to try to get him to run a burger to a table. We see Tina stab herself in her giant cardboard tree head to simulate the third murder, and Louise announces that, oh, that's her knife! Linda then asks who they think the murderer is, including all the dead people, as options. Like, yes, that could be it, but only in an Agatha Christie novel, not Dreamatorium. Jean continues to score the show from his position on the floor. All the people guess that it was the suspicious butler, and Linda announces that it was her, even though she explicitly said it wasn't her at the beginning of the show. The audience is disgruntled and starts getting up to leave as Linda announces that the cast will be signing autographs. Fun continuity error, Linda's friend, who possibly might be Ginger, goes from a redhead to a brunette and then back again. Also, the lady hassling Linda about her twist really being a lie was at dinner theater with her. As Linda is closing the show, a robber outside is trying to reassure himself as he prepares to rob the restaurant. He runs inside and announces that it's a stick-up, and Jean starts scoring him. All the people seem really excited and they sit back down. Bob knows it's a real robbery and tries to get his kids behind the counter to protect them, but Louise just wants to try to get Tina to attack the guy with her. They don't seize the moment, because Tina is not a fast thinker, but I admire Louise's gumption. The robber tries to get Bob to get the cash out of the register, but he calls Bob a greaseball and Bob calls him a mask face, and the audience thinks it's all just a big joke. The robber realizes that he interrupted a show, and his natural theatricality starts to come out. The cops roll by during the robbery, and they think it's just a great new element that's been added to the show. The robber gets his money and asks Jean for a little music. The robber makes Linda repeat his cue and starts singing a really great impromptu little song. I'll put it here. Maybe I'll leave and maybe I'll stay. Maybe it's the limelight could be the singing. 911 should be a ringing. But I can't stop. And neither can I. Sit down, sit down. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone up. Come on. (laughs) Anyway. Everyone gives him a standing ovation and he asks Jean to play him out. He runs away into the night and a lady asks Bob if he can break a five so she can tip out the cast. Oh my gosh. I would just be as frustrated as Bob. Like obviously he just took all the cash out and like there's no more cash. How would he be able to break a five? I would be just as frustrated as Bob. I will say being robbed would encourage me to take down the cash only sign, but they keep it up. The next day, the cops come by to take their statements. The burger of the day is the last of the Mohicama, which comes with hickama. It's a reference to the last of the Mohicans. Bob and Linda are both a little traumatized by the robbery the previous night, but Linda's a little excited. She liked hearing the audience applaud, and I think she was just captivated by the drama. If anyone managed to woo Linda away from Bob, I think it would be someone very like the robber. Handsome, dramatic, maybe a little bossy, but she would eventually come back. Anyway, someone comes in asking if they are talking about the show last night. He didn't see the whole of Dreamatorium, but he managed to catch the end of it. They're talking about the robbery, and Linda wants them to put down that he was leading man handsome as part of their police statement. Mark comes in with his laptop and announces that the online reviews are in. Basically, they thought the show sucked, except for the chemistry and the closing number. Linda was just happy that they were a hit, until Bob reminds her that they were hit. Linda does not get it, and they have to explain it to her. The kids are at school the next day, telling their story to a group of enthralled kids. Large Tommy is there, as is normal-sized Jenny. We never see her again, but she wants to know about the gun and if anyone got shot. Tiny Peter asks if they're in a gang now. Louise announces that their gang is called the Broken Glass Kids and they'll cut you. She's so creative. Back at the restaurant, Linda's really excited for the show that night. Bob wanted her to consider canceling the show, but instead kind of mutters to himself that she's committed to making him unhappy. Ouch, Bob! Bob! But it is equally hurtful that Linda just ignores his little comment. They are not having any kind of a productive dialogue. Mort points out that the show won't be the same without the robber character, and the mysterious stranger agrees. The cops apologize for not having caught the guy, and they leave. Once they leave, the stranger reveals himself to be the robber by singing a line from the previous night's song! Linda is thrilled to see him again, especially since he wants to do the show again and he says his gun was fake, and it's in his other jacket, but Bob has already started calling the cops. If Bob were really smart, he'd let the guy come back and then call the cops, but he's just calling them already. The robber pulls out his gun, and he robs Bob again. Linda is thrilled again, since he proved that a lie can be a twist. He passes the cops on his way out. They're bringing Bob an apology cake when they get the news about the robber on the police radio and chase him down. One of the cops starts beating the crap out of him, which is actually really dark. But Bob and Linda start arguing about whether he should have called the cops or not. The robber might have committed armed robbery, but Bob committed murder by murdering Linda's dream. That evening, there's a line of people outside trying to see Dreamatorium. This town must be hard up for entertainment. <laughs> Inside, Jean asks Tina if she's gonna say her line tonight, but Tina doesn't think she will. Jean encourages Tina to beat her stage fight by imagining everyone naked, and she says she already does. does it, Jean? He says no, as he slides his keyboard down to hide his private parts. Jean suggests that maybe she imagined that everyone's wearing more clothes. If not all their clothes, maybe just a condom and a hat. <laughs> She seems excited about that. It's at least a step in the right direction. Louise comes in to announce that the house is packed, but even that news doesn't make Linda feel better. She sadly announces that without their star, they'll just go out and do the version that everyone hated. We cut to the end of the show, with Linda flatly asking the audience who they think the murderer is and trying to get everyone out. The lady in purple asks about the surprise performer, and Linda says there isn't one. One lady says the show is garbage. Bob hears that and feels really bad, but he has a great idea. He charges out from the kitchen wearing his chef's hat with a napkin over his face and brandishing a ketchup bottle. He warns everyone to sit down or he'll shoot. Linda's heart is touched, and she's delighted to see her Bobby helping with her dream. Everyone still hates him, and they decide to leave anyway, as Bob pretends to rob himself. He takes the money out of the register and says, boy, I thought we did better today. Judging by the packed house, they should have, unless Louise is skimming a little off the top. He comes back around and starts singing and dancing his own closing number with Linda. It is low on talent, but full of heart. I'll put it here. So I'm singing words to a song I'm making up right now Cause it's the singing that matters and not the song So it's up to me to go it's a little high. Well I nailed it a little high. I love that song. Anyway, they're having a great time, but they realize that everyone left during Bob's awful performance and Tina finally says her line. The show ends with a lovely piano version of the theme during the credits. Anyway, that's the show. Oh, I love this episode so much. So final thoughts. Bob and Linda have just the most beautiful marriage. I think in the last few episodes, they were tinkering with Bob and Linda's relationship to see what worked, and they really hit the sweet spot in this episode. They do fight sometimes, and they have their disagreements, but they know that they're committed, and they treat each other as equal partners. They might not like everything about each other, like Bob's lazy pants, Linda's love for dinner theater, and how competitive each of them get, but they love the whole of each other. I love the line about how it's the singing that matters and not the song. And I kind of wonder, is that the secret to a happy relationship? That it doesn't matter as much what you do or how you do it, but that you keep trying? I'd like to think that's true, barring any extremes. As long as you know that you're committed and that you love each other, most other things don't matter or you can work them out. Honestly, I will admit, I almost wanted to skip talking about Sacred Cow and Sexy Dance Fighting to get to this episode. They are perfectly fine episodes, but I just find this one really appealing. It's the perfect mix of a lovely family relationship and a fun project with some crime and a little blood. The handsome, velvet-voiced robber doesn't hurt either. It's not only Bob and Linda's marriage that hits the sweet spot in this episode, but each of the family relationships as well. It just leaves me with a really nice feeling each time I watch it. So, question of the week. Do the Belchers have a box of costumes? My family had a dress-up box growing up, but the Belcher box must be next level. Linda owns multiple green blazers, a rock and roll outfit, they own multiple wigs, you know, the Annie wig, the Sheriff wig, and the kids have some pretty amazing pieces from their Halloween costumes. They do make a lot of their costumes, like Jean's grape costume and Louise's girl with a dragon tattoo costume, but there are still a lot of really cool pieces that they didn't make, like Tina's full nun habit for her nunya business costume, her awesome prince costume, Linda's mermaid costume, etc. I genuinely think that Linda just has a box of props and costume pieces in a box somewhere, probably (laughs) next to the sewing machine that she uses to make pickle costumes and chicken nugget costumes. And it's just like, where are they storing it? They have a very small apartment. The costumes are amazing. So with that, we're going to end the episode. Sorry if you heard any snoring. My dog was in the room with me, just sleeping very quietly. So I hope you enjoyed the show this week. Let me know what you think about if the Belchers have a box of costumes. And with that, we'll leave you. Thanks for listening to the Coochie Copey podcast. Have a great week.